I think that I would say in the first, so I finished my degree in 86. The first 10 to 15 years of my career, people, it was very unusual, mm-hmm. uh, much less common. My uh, professor, a wonderful man, Dr. Pruder at Western Illinois University, um, at the time said, you are pioneers. You will have to create programs. You will have to convince people. You will have to demonstrate things. And, you know, some people said things like music therapy. Hmm. So do you work with uh, sick musicians? (laughs) Or occasionally they thought I mispronounced music theory, which is its own degree, which is sort of the, the nuts and bolts of how music works. The last 10 to 15 years have been a blessing. This show is brought to you by hospicechaplaincy.com, promoting excellency in professional hospice chaplaincy. You can find the Hospice Chaplaincy podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play Music. For more information, you can visit hospicechaplaincy.com. We are your hosts, Joe Newton. And I'm Saul Abema. Uh, welcome to the Hospice Chaplaincy show. Today we have Jen Conley, who is a music therapist with us here. Jen, thank you for joining us. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yes. Can you introduce yourself? Tell us more about yourself. Sure. So my name is Jen Conley. I am a uh, board certified music therapist and a licensed professional counselor. I've been practicing in music therapy for a long time. I finished my degree um, at Western in music therapy in 1986. Then I went on and got uh, some graduate work in a license in counseling, which has really helped sort of flush out my clinical skills. So I've used music primarily in hospice, but also in geriatrics and some in clinical mental health. So I, you know, along with music therapy training comes a great deal of music training. So for those who may not know, music therapy is in the music department at a university. So you have the same musical requirements and degree as, for instance, someone going into music ed. So my primary instrument was the violin when I was in school, but I've used accompanying instruments for my clinical work. Um, it gives me more versatility and also I, I utilize voice. So I'm typically either using keyboard, harp or guitar. That's impressive. (laughs) I know Brian here plays music too. Where did you grow up? I grew up in Rockford, Illinois. So I was six out of seven children. And I like to say that my mother was my first music therapist because she sang all the time. She really encouraged music in us. And she did simple things like um, she had us all learn our phone number to a melody Nine six eight three nine four three nine four three nine. So when I was oh, two years old, I, love I, it. I couldn't talk very well, but I I knew my phone number because research shows just as when children learn the alphabet, if we set something to music, our retention of that uh, in our memory is much enhanced. So I grew up around a lot of music. Uh, my siblings are musical. I have um, one younger brother who's a professional musician, but the rest definitely it's an advocate. Do you find that your music therapy, uh, did you learn anything from your faith background about how that intertwines with all that you do with uh, your people that you you uh, give therapy to? Um, <clears throat> absolutely. And some of that, 
I would say is what we could, uh, the elements of, of faith and mystery and spirit that we can articulate. And then there are elements of faith and mystery and spirit that are harder to articulate. So for me, um, music is, um, you know, St. Augustine says singing is praying twice. I mean, music is uniquely mm -hmm. human. There's no time, culture, or place in which music has not been a part of our our daily ritual, our life, our identity, our sense of community. So for me, um, certainly there's an overt way if I work with somebody who has an identified faith, you know, the, the music of that tradition is, is very important. But beyond that, I'm using the things that are on the nonverbal realm. Um, music often gets to, um, it's very evocative of emotion. And it often gets to a place for people emotionally or spiritually that is actually honestly harder to get to strictly verbally. Mm -hmm. So on my most recent hospice team, there were two chaplains and they used to call me the third chaplain. Yeah. <laughs> because rather than verbally say, well, tell me about your faith or which, which can be very meaningful and important, but you know, somebody says, my mom's favorite hymn was in the garden. Could you play in the garden? So I play and sing in the garden and goodness, I'm going to get a lot of stories after that. Wow. I'm going to get a lot of meaning based expression and um, identity reinforcement and things because I've kind of gone through the back door. I mean, our social workers would say the same thing. You know, they say that the songs we love are a mini documentary of our life mm. and, and that music is basically a time traveler. Um, so I can play that song and it brings us back. And so because music is neurologically complex, it's not just the uh, sort of a musical memory, but we may see an image, have an emotion, a physical sensation. Um, and, and in terms of the faith, for me personally, part of my actual using music is, is my faith in divinity and a connection among people, but my, honestly, my faith in music, I've seen it done, do amazing things. I've seen, you know, when people tell me someone's non-responsive, I don't necessarily believe them. I go in and I get out of the way and I try and enter into that setting in as heartfelt and open and honest of a manner as I can. And I can talk about some of the techniques that I use that help facilitate that, but then things happen. You know, somebody, squeezes a hand, you know, somebody who hasn't spoken for 24 hours, his tears stream down their face, you know? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it, to me, it's all part of operating on a level that is faith-based, intuitive, and about connection mm -hmm. with one another. Wow. Uh, sure, uh, Jen. Uh, I, I mean, you've been and a little bit of generality there. Can you be a little more specific as far as how it's touched certain people that you found rather amazing? Yeah. Um, so there's all sorts of areas. Um, you know, when I, when I talk about music therapy in front of groups, I'll often say, I'm going to do a little music sharing. I'm going to do a little information um, sharing, uh, a little music making and a lot of storytelling. Mm. Because we all know that the heart of hospice is in how we touch those lives and then the amazing things that we're able to see in response to that. So um, there, there's some main, you know, areas, you know, in terms of the plan of care and some of those more technical things that, that music therapy can touch on. 
But, you know, a, a couple little stories. So one of the big things in hospice is the loss of identity. Mm. You know, we all have these multiple identities. I mean, honestly, we're seeing some of our loss of identity with the COVID-19. Right. You know, those of us who have a work identity, those of us who are on the PTA or go to the Rotary Club. or But when someone has come into hospice, typically they have been a patient for a long time. That's not always true, but typically they've lost a lot of those identities and they've become a quote unquote sick person. Mm. And one of the things I love about music is that I of course know somebody's limits, their diagnosis, the things that I <clears throat> need to be mindful of, but I don't have to deal with that. Mm. I get to talk about what they loved, what made them tick, um, what inspired them. And music often, um, invites that. So for instance, I had a gentleman who loved John Denver. He actually, um, one year in college, you know, this gentleman was maybe in his late fifties when I met with him, he had basically gone on tour with John Denver. Mm -hmm. So one summer, John Denver toured the U S and he followed him and every concert that John Denver did, he was at, he loved John Denver. So he had a brain cancer. When I saw him, he was in a hospital bed. Half of his head was wrapped up. I could see one eye. He was weak. He had had some pain. And so we started out gently and we made this John Denver connection. And his sister was there and she said, I, I will never, ever forget the look on his face when you played John Denver. So I was able to bring him to a place via basically the magic of music and his own beloved things where his pain was reduced. He shared, he reminisced, he connected with his sister. He actually right there in that moment said, will you sing at my memorial? And this is what I want you to sing. And I did that. Um, so I made an instant connection based around something beloved to him. Um, I had another gentleman who loved Jesus Christ Superstar, and he had ALS, and um, key to the effective use of music therapy is finding music that's meaningful to the individual, because that's what we're going to see the most emotional and neurologic response on. So um, I came in with some of my Jesus Christ Superstar songs, and he was in a nursing home. He was basically nonverbal, had some slurred language, but I started... I had my guitar and I was singing through my Jesus Christ Superstar songs. And when I got to Herod's song, I started, and this man hadn't talked to me. He, he could nod some. I started singing, um, prove to me that you're no fool. And spontaneously said, well, around my women, oh. And I don't know <laughs> wow. if you know the tune. But we both started laughing. And of course, he's on all sorts of tubes and he's kind of honking, laughing. And I'm like, that's great. They didn't tell me you're a singer, you know. So the nurse comes rushing in. What's wrong? What's wrong? So and I'm like, no, 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 we're, we're fine. This is good. I said, you know, so I briefly explained what happened. And the next thing you know, she's also singing. I don't know how to love him with us. And so there you see now we have music providing community and normalization. Mm. So, I mean, I, I feel so grateful that I, I could go on with stories that, that, you know, and that's that illustrate things for a long time. One simple one, I had a couple, um, he was a World War II vet and she asked for a tune called I'll Buy That Dream. Now, 
in the age when I started in my practice, there was something called the Green Book, which had a massive list of songs. Because when I started in this profession, there was not a very convenient thing called the Internet, which is what is allowing us to gather today. So, but with the Internet and YouTube and Google, I can almost find anything. So when somebody makes a request for a beloved song, you can bet I'm going to find it. I couldn't find this. I finally found this tune in an old sheet music on eBay. And I ordered it. I got the 1946 sheet music and sent it. And I had met a couple times with this woman and her husband who was very ill. And when I came in and I had that song, which was their song, part of their courtship from their wedding, she got in bed with him and she curled up next to him and said, sing me our song. And I sang it. And when I finished, she said, sing it for me again. Mm. And I must have sang that song six or seven times. I would have sung it 15. I don't care. Right then, the music was providing something that is so deeply spiritual. She was connecting with him. He was non-verbally responding to her. Mm -hmm. They both were experiencing great solace and comfort. Mm -hmm. um, so anyhow, um, that, that's... You know, I kind of have some stories that illustrate different things, but that's that's one of the big things, um, sort of a validation of identity. Yeah, that is that is powerful. That is yeah, powerful. <laughs> validation of identity, meaning making is is extremely right. therapeutic. Right. So, so in the business of hospice, we're we're trying to provide that presence for people, that provides that affirmation and validation. And also increase connection. It can be awkward for families. So I come in, we suddenly all have something in common. So I can have four generations and guess what? They all know somewhere over the rainbow. If you've grown up in this country, there's 10 or 20 songs that you're going to know. You are my sunshine. You don't even know when you learned it, but you know you are my sunshine. Yes. So I mean, I suddenly can take a disparate environment and unify it. Um Another big area for hospice, and certainly I know chaplaincy and my colleagues in social work, is trying to invite people to have some expression. You know, for me, I'm always about the invitation. <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm never going to push somebody beyond their comfort level. So if I gently open a door and it feels like somebody's just not ready to go there, I'm going to affirm wherever they're at. But many times, people just need that invitation. They need that safe space. Um, I had um, an individual who had a pretty advanced cancer, and I brought in my harp, and I... I just had started, he was on his bed and his wife and son came and joined. And I just had started, um, he was interested in the harp, you know, playing some gentle. And he immediately teared up and he said, that brings me so close to my grief. And I was stunned because I've just, just met this gentleman. I mean, I sometimes get there with people, but usually not right out of the gate. And we had an amazing conversation. He requested some guided meditations. Um, his son and his wife joined in. We were able, I was able to do, there was a soft breeze coming in and I was able excuse me, basically able to do a meditation that brought us into the present moment, that 
you know, I will sing melodies, you know. The breeze is with us here, together now. And I mean, it was it was pretty amazing. Um, later, his wife said, because I thought, wow, this person just must be really sort of have a high level of awareness and insight. And she's like, I'm stunned. He, he hasn't done that yet. He hasn't talked like that. And, and an interesting thing about him is the progression of his brain cancer took his hearing. Mm. And we were able to go in and both he and his wife would put their hand on the soundboard of my harp, which you, you feel very strong vibrations. It's very resonant right on the soundboard. And we could continue to connect and share music because he could feel that vibration and respond to it. So, I mean, it can be, it helps with our, you know, again, hymns and spiritual music. It provides that um, affinity. And I would say it also gives families permission to have that emotional expression. I had a family, I, I had just walked in and a daughter had like a piece of, you know, eight and a half by 11 paper and she's shaking it. She goes, play this, play this. I want you to play this. And, and, and she's, I'm like, okay, okay, sure. You know, and I'm talking to, and, you know, I get myself settled and mom's there like three daughters. And it was, you are the wind beneath my wings. And she said, this is from us, mom. This is how we feel, and we wanted you to hear it. So sometimes I feel like I'm able to give voice mm. via music to something that someone may, you know, it's just awkward. And if people don't have the tools of talking on a spiritual or a depth level, and they get tossed into hospice amidst all the other stresses and decisions and difficulties, they can be at a loss. And I feel like I can, in essence, go in and do a little hand holding. Mm. You know, I will sometimes say, you know, as I'm playing, is there anything you want to say through the music or want me to say through the music? And I keep that stream going. And I've had people say, you know, go where you can dance, mom will be okay. And, and it sort of invites that opportunity. I try and create that holding space. Um, and again, I feel like I try to be always very sensitive, but honest to gosh, people are usually grateful. They, they're oh, grateful wow. for that opportunity. Excuse me, Jen. How sure. long has it, you've been doing this for quite a while. I have. Uh, how long has it taken for it music therapy to become really significant in in just not even just hospice but in life because it, it you know some hospices would think oh that's just that's a waste of money right. why do we need to have that and I'm just wondering how you've been able to overcome that <clears throat> because it you know it it's tough it is tough so, you know, I could actually answer that on a, on a number of levels, sort of more socially and sort of more personally. But um, I think that I would say in the first, so I finished my degree in 86. The first 10 to 15 years of my career, people, it was very unusual, mm -hmm. uh, much less common. My uh, professor, a wonderful man, Dr. Pruder at Western Illinois University, um, at the time said, you are pioneers. You will have to create okay. programs. You will have right. to convince people. You will have to demonstrate things. Right. And, you know, some people said things like, 
Music therapy. Hmm. So do you work with uh, sick musicians? <laughs> or occasionally they thought I mispronounced music theory, which is its own degree, which is sort of the, the nuts and bolts of how music works. The last 10 to 15 years have been a blessing because we have started to understand that mind-body-spirit connection. Yeah. You know, massage therapy has had a huge growth. Um, mindfulness practice has become almost mainstream. So I think the idea idea that we have access to us so much more than our verbal arena that can connect us and bring a great deal of meaning it has become greater at the same time the research on music in the brain has exploded mm. so music is actually one of the most neurologically complex things we experience as human beings it affects more than 30 regions of your brain if you get a brain scan and you're listening to music it lights up so people will say, well, I'm not very musical. And of course, you know, if I'm with a family, I'm, I'm not going to contradict anything. But if I'm speaking to people, I'll say, oh, well, you know what? We're actually all musical. Mm. Now, that doesn't mean we're all creators of music. Yeah. But, you know, if you listen to rhythmic music, the motor region of your brain lights up. We can prove that. You want to tap your toe. That's biological. That's not cultural. Mm -hmm. You know, we... Babies throughout the world, mothers sing to their infants. There's something called the universal interval, which is da, da. It's a minor third. So if you can think of children sing-songing, mm -hmm. da, 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 da. Every culture throughout the world, it's one of the first intervals we play with. Mm. The universal human element. It's a beautiful thing. So our research has exploded. We can see how it affects people with Parkinson's. We can demonstrate that it affects our heart rate, our blood pressure, our brain waves, our neurotransmitters, our hormones. It releases oxytocin, which is the hormone which helps us feel connected to one another. So that's helped a lot. I, I created a program here in DeKalb in 2008. And I went in with my research and my data and met with the director and she was a nurse. And she, she was great. She was like, you know, it was funny because it was almost like I was uh, preaching to the choir. She goes, oh, I'd love to have this. You know, I've gone to you know, conference workshops, you know, I get it. But how in the heck are we going to pay for it? So this has always been the crux of what to do. So in this instance, she and I sort of made in a, a, a came up with a proposal, made an appeal to, you know, the powers that be and um, also wrote a grant. And we're able to do a six-month pilot project. Mm. So we wanted to demonstrate. And I was getting letters from local nursing homes. And I was getting letters from families. And we were also collecting data. And four months into the six-month pilot project, they hired me on full-time. Impressive, yeah. So I think what it is, it really has been an issue in my career of... Can I, can I demonstrate it? Like when we started that program, I had an older nurse come to me named Audrey and said, did you know, did you know it would do all that? Because they'd see me at the bedside and they'd see people who emote who were called stoic and they'd see families coming up with, you know, you know really insightful, thoughtful, connected comments. And, and so I said, well, Audrey, I did. Although to be honest, sometimes I'm also taken aback still. It looks like, um, this is a way of life for you. This is your being. You know, you music you know, just flows through you. It, it honestly is. And I, you know, the other aspect of that question you asked, Joe, is I think that I 
Um, you know, I grew up in this musical family, but I was the sixth out of seven kids. I was kind of quiet. Um, I knew I loved music. And actually, we had a grandmother who loved to hear us sing. And we would sing as a family at church or at folk festivals. Um, and honestly, I almost didn't feel entitled to go into music because I had all these older siblings who were musical. But when I heard about music therapy, uh, I have an older sister who briefly looked into it. It just fit. I was in high school and, you know, I, I can perform. I do perform. I've got some discs. But honestly, that does not call to me. My brother, who has is a touring performer, Joe Jenks, he's like, oh, no, the fun part is performing to three to five hundred people. And I'm like, no, the beautiful part is music for three to five people. <laughs> you know, that's what just speaks to me. The part music's beautiful qualities that really are the essence of what we are as humans, you know, our desire to connect, which, again, is being um, impinged upon necessarily right now because of the virus, you know, and our sense of community. And I think um, a kind of a quick, funny story when I went to my, you know, in junior or in high school, um, junior year, we went to our guidance counselor. I don't know if you guys had to do it. You take a little interest inventory test and this is what you should do. And so I went and met with her and I said, I was thinking about music therapy and she goes, well, there, there's no such career. And, and I was taken aback and I said, well, I, you know, I'm pretty sure. I mean, you know, my sister talked about it. So she grabs the dusty, huge tome, the, you know, the brown book on the top shelf, dusts it off and opens it up. And she's like, oh, my gosh, there's actually a career called that. So the guidance counselor had never heard of music therapy. But for me, and once I got to school and met this instructor who was extremely validating and witnessed uh, yeah, I mean, it's I started as a music ed and a music therapy major in my first year and, and went hardcore music therapy. I went on for my counseling license so I could open the door so I could do music therapy. Mm. I mean, it, it truly is my passion. Is. Um, so so I am grateful for the opportunity to talk about it because I just feel like we are all musical. We should use music. We can use music. You do not. I mean, we've never lived in a time or place where recorded music is more available to us. Yeah. So for our local chamber of commerce, I've done some recorded videos on how to use music during this time. One's a guided meditation. One's sort of a, a brief talk about the music, music in the brain. And one is a principle on how to use music to impact your own mood positively. So, I mean, those are available. There's tons of apps for guided meditations to music. There's, you know, tons of streaming things. You can find just about whatever you want. Yeah. So before we transition to uh, music in, in season of pandemic, what's the most requested song from hospice patients when you do your visits? That's great. Um, so on the level of um, faith-based music, it would be Amazing Grace. But close um, sort of contenders would be How Great Thou Art and In the Garden. <clears throat> In terms of secular music, honestly, You Are My Sunshine, yeah. Somewhere Over the Rainbow, What a Wonderful World, um, are probably very frequently requested songs can you play can you play one of your therapeutic songs sure so i can do kind of some 
some guided music or what what I'll do is I'll, I'm going to go ahead and play a song. This is a, a, a melody I wrote. Um, it's to in uh, a Celtic prayer mm. called May You See God's Light. And I set this melody to it. Um, very simple. Um, I've used it in hospice and other sort of settings. Um amazing stuff you are good oh, <laughs> it's so good thank you, I will use the harp very improvisationally so real quickly there's a there's a technique called entrainment where I pair my harp tempo to someone's respirations Okay. And this is, again, a research-based uh, biological response. So if they're breathing at a fast pace, I can start out, you know. Um, 
and really match that respiration and gradually bring my tempo down. And as I do, almost always their respirations will slow and deepen. Wow, every hospice needs you. Oh, well, <laughs> I, I believe every hospice would benefit from music therapy. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So how do you see the role of music in this pandemic? I'm, I know it's, it's a tough time right now. Um, it is. I would just encourage people. There's a couple ways. Um that people can personally try and use music. One way is the things that I alluded to before, which is, you know, there's there's many apps that have music which is composed specifically to help induce calm and relaxation. Some of them have progressive, you know, guided words with that. Some are just music. Whole new area exploring. Um, take advantage of that. It will do those things like lower blood pressure, increased release of dopamine. It will help you physiologically. Um, I would use music as a companion. What did you love in high school? What music, you know, what did you sing on road trips with your family? Find some music, put it on, let it play. Mm. If you're inspired to move, do that too. Um, I would also encourage people if um, they have ever maybe played the piano as a kid or have a ukulele around, um, played the guitar. There are many, many YouTube videos that are very instructional. And actually there are a huge number of brain benefits also, especially as we age, um, learning music and, and playing music are one of the things that help stave off cognitive decline. So, and honestly, there's brain benefits to doing music or singing, regardless of how we feel about what we're producing. So sing along. It actually helps strengthen, singing helps strengthen the respiratory muscles that increase our lung capacity. It is helpful right now. So if you're not sure how you sing or don't, you know, always felt uncomfortable, put your music on louder or find a karaoke track, you know, go sing a Beatles tune and find a backing track and have at it. So, I mean, I would just encourage people to use it because it is a tool that is accessible. I've loved how people have done extremely creative things. There's parody songs, there's virtual choirs, there's people on their balcony singing to people on the other balcony. I mean, we are using music because it is something that's communal, it's universal, and it's accessible. So I would just encourage people to be creative, go online a little bit, and use it because it's a tool that will assist physically, emotionally, spiritually. So you're isolated too then, huh? I am. I am. So do, I, you have, do you have anybody that you call and play for? Um, I actually have been able to do, um, I haven't been able to do music therapy per se because most of my patients, clients are older mm -hmm. and they don't really have the tech capacity. Um, I do know many music therapists are doing telehealth, you know, who work with families or younger people. I have been able to, my specializations are in music therapy and then music instruction specializing in the adult and older adult learners. So I have ukulele and harp students in their 60s, 70s and 80s. 
Mm -hmm. So they are getting a lot of brain and physiological benefits by learning music. And yes, I do that somewhat differently. It's where music instruction and music therapy merge. I've got someone with Parkinson's. I've got three people with um, arthritis, but I have been able to Zoom lessons and continue to do some instruction and connect with people that way. And, you know, certainly a portion of the lesson is a check-in and how are you doing and, you know, creating that opportunity. Um, One woman sent me an email and said, you know, it's the most normal part of my week and I'm really grateful. So, um, that's some of what I'm doing, but um, I, I do have a studio, which is empty, but I, I've gone over periodically to check on it. You know, mm-hmm. um, I, I manage a building in DeKalb, Illinois called the Gateway Arts Building, which is a collective of, of uh, uh, supporting the creative and healing arts. So there's art therapy, massage therapy, uh, licensed counselors. So we're, we're independent practitioners, but it's a building. So I manage that and I've gone and checked on that. But nope, we're all, I'd say, um, you know, it's it's a beautiful time to know that working towards the greater good is actually simple. Mm. You know, as much as it is, is difficult to isolate, it's a simple thing we, thing we can do to protect and care for each other. Yeah. Uh, I'm looking at your website here. There's a beautiful quote by Victor Hugo. It says, music expresses that which cannot be said and on which it is impossible to be silent. What do those words mean to you? You know, it, it's a beautiful quote and, and absolutely that, you know, music, there are things that we can express through music that words lack. I mean, thank goodness for our words. It's our tool to communicate and express, but there are things that music can do for us, say for us, create in us and among us, emotionally and spiritually, that words cannot do. Music really originated, they believe, at the same time that language did. And one set of sounds became our verbal language and another set of sounds, which was used to communicate, uh, you know, a talking drum that might say, this is where weather is, or where water is, became music. And um, it, it's deeply rooted in our, in our being, in our brainstem. And, and it, it does say things that, that words can't and that, which are unexpressible in any other way. Wow, we could talk all day, man. This is... <laughs> I just want to hear more music, so that's all. Do you, do you have uh, a few more songs that you feel is therapeutic for this pandemic period? Um, let... You got to play a Beatle tune for me, would oh, you? Oh, a Beatle for Joe. <laughs> a Beatle tune. I'd have to... Uh... This is therapeutic. You're healing us. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we are getting more than we thought. <laughs> we should have a call. on the spot, but I pulled out a ukulele. All right. I am going to have to tune it. There's, there's been a ukulele renaissance, and whoever doesn't have a uke, I'd encourage them to consider it. It's small, inexpensive helps with that brain training neurology and is something that makes uh, music available. Um, So, we'll see how this goes. I'm not sure I'll know all my lyrics. When I find myself in times of trouble, Mother Mary comes to me, speaking words of wisdom. 
Wonderful reminder. Wow. Uh, I believe. Wow. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I believe I got somewhat creative with the lyrics, but. <laughs> All right. Add the essence. Yes. <laughs> Is there anything you want people to know that we have not addressed yet before we? You know, I'm grateful for the opportunity to talk about this. It is my my life passion and something that comes naturally. And, you know, for those who may feel like <clears throat> maybe they were shamed by their third grade music teacher or their high school choir director, that music is for all of us. You are musical and mm -hmm. don't, you know, own that. And if that means you love a certain group or love a certain style of music, you know, let music be a companion because it is a life companion. It's your own mini documentary. It's your own time traveling traveler. It will connect you to different phases of your life, different people of your life, and it can bring a great a great deal of meaning and comfort. How can people find you? Um, I have a Facebook page, which is Conley Music Therapy and Instruction. I worked with agencies until about six months ago, and then I sort of ventured out into my own practice. So that's my Facebook page. My website is Jen Conley Music. Um, so I'm available through email and phone number on those on those sites. I'm also part of the DeKalb Chamber of Commerce um, in DeKalb, Illinois. And there's information on that. Um, I love to share music, music therapy, and feel free to reach out. Joe, anything for Jen? I am just uh, grateful and thankful that I was able to listen today. Uh, you brought a lot of comfort. Uh, you do it naturally and uh, honestly, and uh, I thank God for your presence in all that we do as we take care of people who are walking that journey of life. And thank you much. You're, you're a true joy. I appreciate the time and attention and, and much blessing and, and good wishes to, to you both. Thank you. God thank bless you. you. Thank you. This little light of
you are the best. You are the best. That was Jen Conley. She's a music therapist uh, residing in DeKalb, Illinois. Thank you for listening.
to pave the way that led us to this modern day. My history's in machines and streets, in bones and hands and hearts and feet. And when you look at me, remember there's more than you see. The stories and the strength behind these lines. Though time has played a trick on me, I stand in my humanity and I'm no less than I used to be. Though it seems that time.